1: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase.
0: BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Democrats propose bigger tax credits to make individual health coverage more affordable. Since COVID-19 vaccines have been so effective, some scientists are pushing for a pan-coronavirus vaccine. And some providers raise concerns about virtual care post-pandemic. It's all coming up on today's episode of Just Healthcare Daily. It's Wednesday, February 10th, and I'm Alex Olgan with GIST Healthcare Daily, where you get the headlines in health business and policy news in under 10 minutes. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other listeners find the show. In some encouraging COVID-19 news, vaccines are curbing the spread of the virus in long-term care facilities, where its impact has been devastating. More than 150,000 COVID deaths, or about a third of the country's total, were among people living in long-term care facilities. Nursing home residents and staff were among the first to be vaccinated with the highly effective Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. So far, around 1.5 million long-term care residents got at least their first dose. New data is showing that vaccinations are making a difference. COVID-19 case rates dropped by 22% in long-term care facilities between late December and early January. But there is an ongoing concern of vaccine hesitancy among nursing home staff. According to Walgreens, about 60% of employees refuse the shot. Walgreens, along with CVS, has a contract with the federal government to deliver the vaccine to nursing homes. Since the COVID-19 vaccines have been so effective, some scientists are pushing for the development of an all-in-one coronavirus vaccine, according to the New York Times. For all coronaviruses, not just COVID-19, that could help prevent or prepare for another pandemic. Scientists started researching vaccines for coronaviruses in the early 2000s, after the SARS and MERS outbreaks in Asia. But since those were quelled quickly, there was no market for those vaccines, and researchers lost funding. But that previous research gave scientists a huge leg up on developing the COVID-19 vaccine, which targets the spike protein on the surface of the virus, a feature that is also found on other coronaviruses. Some biotech companies are already researching and testing a pan-coronavirus vaccine. As one immunologist told The Times, the coronaviruses are an easy family of viruses to take down. The proliferation of virtual care is one of the few silver linings of the pandemic. It's made it much easier for patients to get care anywhere. The overnight change was in large part driven by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services decision to pay doctors for all types of virtual care during the COVID emergency, a decision many commercial payers also followed. But there are several looming questions. Once the public health emergency is over, will physicians still get paid for those phone call and video visits? At what rates? And what regulations will CMS and other payers reinstate? In a series of articles published in the Journal of the American Medical Association last week, physicians raised concerns about virtual care quality, payment, and access. In one article, physicians warned that in a fee-for-service environment, clinicians could overuse televisits or order more tests for more money. In other articles, physicians argued there isn't enough evidence that the quality of virtual care is as good as in-person care and that virtual care could jeopardize the patient-doctor relationship. There are legitimate concerns about virtual care access. Seniors and low-income patients did a lot of telephone visits. And CMS has indicated it may cut back on reimbursing for phone visits after the public health emergency ends. And there are concerns about equity. If insurers pull back coverage while studies evaluate how it's best used, it could become a service only available to those who can afford to pay for it out of pocket instead of many Medicare and Medicaid patients. While providers debate these issues, many commercial payers have embraced the new modalities, some offering low-cost virtual primary care plans this year. GIST Healthcare's Dr. Lisa Belomovich says now that consumers got a taste of the convenience of virtual care, they're not going back. Continuing to research where it best fits into the care plan is really important, but if providers back off offering virtual visits now while we wait for the perfect answer, they run the risk of losing patients to tech disruptors and insurance companies who will happily offer the service to build loyalty with consumers. As part of the COVID relief package, lawmakers are proposing enhancements to the Affordable Care Act that were a core part of President Biden's campaign. This week, representatives introduced several bills that will all become part of the larger stimulus package. This is the next step in the budget reconciliation process that lawmakers are using to pass a relief package with a simple majority. House Democrats are proposing increasing tax credits to make health insurance purchased on the public exchanges more affordable. This comes as healthcare.gov is about to reopen for a special enrollment period next Monday. It would mean people making 150 percent of the federal poverty level, which comes out to less than $40,000 a year for a family of four, would get tax credits to cover the full cost of their premiums. The bill would also extend tax credits to people making 400 percent of the federal poverty level, or about $104,000 a year for a family of four. Americans in this income bracket previously weren't eligible for these tax credits and had to foot the bill for the full premium cost. The legislation would also limit how much they would have to pay in premiums to 8.5% of their income. The legislation proposes raising these tax credits for two years, but Congress could vote later to make them permanent. Another measure aims to help people who lost their jobs continue to stay on their employer's health plan. Lawmakers are proposing the government make COBRA coverage more affordable by subsidizing 85 percent of the premiums for qualifying workers through September of this year. Representatives will mark up the bills later this week with the intent of bringing a full package to the House later in the month. Taking a look at healthcare stocks, St. Louis-based insurer Centene Corporation reported a $12 million loss in the fourth quarter. Like other insurers, the company faced headwinds due to increased COVID care costs. The company also announced it would be cutting 3,000 jobs, reducing the workforce by 6 percent. Shares of Centene were trading up 3.5 percent Tuesday. The broader sector was up 0.13 percent. Thanks for listening to GST Healthcare Daily. I'm Alex Olkin. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news on gisthealthcare.com. Just Gist Healthcare Daily is an independent production of Just Healthcare. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend.